Welcome to Secret Sauce for Success, show number six. Hi, everybody. You have tuned in to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we strive to find secret ingredients that lead to success. We interview successful guests every week and learn their secret to their success. We sincerely hope you implement these habits into your life and become the best you that you can be. Enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? It's Rick Stahl, host of the Secret Sauce for Success show, live from Colorado, here with my co-host, Doug Kirstein. What's going on, Doug? Hey, Rick, it's a busy week as always, man, but it's good to be here with you tonight, Wednesday night, and uh, getting to talk about a little bit more real estate. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Football is my favorite sport, and I love to watch it, and um, it's a bittersweet event when the Super Bowl comes on, because I uh, love to watch it, but then it's done for what? six months or eight months until August. There's a causality here, but uh, those eight months are my most productive months. So, no, that's true. <laughs> so who are you rooting for? Who's in the Super Bowl, anyhow? Tampa Bay and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs looking to do a repeat. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to win. That's my choice, but uh, I'm a smart man. I never bet against Tom Brady as much as I think the Chiefs are going to win it. That guy's just too good. He's, he's too sneaky. He'll come figure out a way to win. Yeah, I can't believe he turned that team around. Oh, yeah. It just goes to show you how important the quarterback is to a football team. You know, you can have great running backs and receivers, but if the quarterback doesn't have it all together, you know, you can have trouble. And if you have a great quarterback and the rest of the team isn't quite up to snuff, you can still go to the Super Bowl. So, speaking of important uh, positions, do you got a quote for the day? (laughs) (laughs) I do. Yeah. Edmund Burke said, if we command our wealth, we shall be rich and free. Our wealth commands us. We are poor indeed. So I think that, you know, it's funny. I, I hear a lot of people talk about money because I'm, I'm in a money business myself. I feel like a lot of people kind of are chasing their money and, and trying to figure out how to make it work. Uh, and I think if they could do that, if they could really put into place a, a working plan and a good plan, they'd be a lot happier, you know. So it's important to have your money working for you. Yep, absolutely. You only have so much time in a day to convert your time to money. That's right. So yeah, that's a smart, uh, that's a smart quote. Control your money, make it do what you want it to do. Uh, and if you're not sure how to do that, then talk to a professional who can help you. Yeah, give you a call. <laughs> that's right. You can call me. I'll take care of you. Yeah, man. So uh, tonight we're talking about Rick Stahl, Stahl Realty, the history of Stahl Realty. It's going to be a great show. I can't wait. I hear this guy's really good. He's really sharp. So yeah, I can't wait to interview him. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I hope I don't let you down. <laughs> have you have you heard something different? <laughs> Let's jump into this, Rick. I'm anxious to hear about uh, some of your background and, and what you've got going on and share that with our listeners. It all started way back in northern North Dakota, a little town. You know, when I say I'm an electrical engineer, I really fought hard for that title. It uh, wasn't given to me easy. Growing up, you know, had poor study habits. Didn't know how to study that well. Uh, you know, wasn't the most popular of kids. But I really was interested in electronics. You know, like the old black transistor radio. I just wanted to know how they could make that voice appear. You could listen to it, and the voice comes out of it. And I remember taking it apart and tweaking those inductors. And, you know, it didn't work after that. It was just like, okay, there's something there I would really want to dig into. So I've always wanted electronics. You know, like walkie-talkies is just amazed, you know, again, with the sound, how they work. So anyhow, I was growing up, uh, societal happenings around, you really direct your life as well, you know. So when I was like 12, I broke my two front teeth out in a bike accident. 
yeah, one fell out all the way. The other one was pushed back in and I had a fake tooth for a while and it was okay. And, and then that I broke like three of those. My dad's finally had enough. Let that other, other tooth grow in front. So I just had a bad smile through your formidable teenage years. That's just not a great thing to happen, you know. So that was tough. And then, you know, I was youngest in my class or nearly the youngest. Poor study habits, you know, and I survived high school. No direction. You know, I had algebra, you know, in, I think, my sophomore year, you know, one. That was it for math. So I had no idea what how to get there. Did you have a, a thought as to what you wanted to do? Did you plan to become an engineer of some kind? Or what was your thinking in high school? Well, I don't know. I was just trying to survive. I got out. I worked a year at a grocery store. I could just feel the winds of change, you know. It's just it's. High school's tough. I got out and I could see, you know, people dissipated to the four ends of the earth. And, and I was like, uh, okay, it's, you know, things are, things are different after high school. So I went to a tech school down in Wapton, North Dakota. I, again, I, my poor study habits, I, I barely survived that first year. And my last quarter, I got three Ds. My friends, they were starting to drop off and go to auto mechanics. And, and I, I was just like, you know, he's like, come on with me. And I was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't have anywhere else to go. I want, I, this is it. And it happened, my last test, my, my last class, my first year, and I had to draw the circuits of some amplifiers on the test. And all of a sudden I'm writing it out by memory. I realized that electricity is just a loop and we use those poor little electrons for our benefit, you know? I wanted to just stand up and yell, you know, just like, it's a loop. Why didn't somebody tell? <laughs> that was, that was a, that was a big game changer for me just to understand and be able to succeed. And so the next year I went, got B's that my grades went up. I started understanding and started learning how to learn, you know, worked at a local grocery store. That was cool. Just that got to meet a lot of good people. The, one of the other big things in that year was one of my teachers, she took me aside one day. And she's like, Rick, she's like, you need to get your tooth fixed. And I was like, well, yeah, I sure would like to, but I don't have any money. And she's like, I'll set you up with the local dentist and go get that tooth fixed. And I was like, okay. So I went to a local dentist. He got it set up with my dad's insurance. And I got this bridge I'm still wearing today. Having a new smile it's a life changer. Right. Some of these key pivotal points in your life of, of success and growth really just keep building on each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when this was your, what year of, of college was this where you got your tooth fixed? So I just graduated first associate degree in electronics. And it's kind of interesting. This is a funny story. I, I had just so many weird things happen in my life and and I really feel, you know, like, like it's not just me, but like God was always kind of had his hand on me and, and just always kind of not protected me, but, but blessed me. Even if I wasn't a Christian at these years, it, it, there was something there. So anyhow, this is just a funny story. I got out of tech school, no job. I, I found a job up right near my parents and it was just an assembly line job testing power supplies. But the cool thing is that after the end of the day, I could troubleshoot power supplies. And so I'd work really hard to get through them all and then I'd troubleshoot for a couple hours. And that was just so fun. Towards the middle of the week, he changed the rules and had to double my, my throughput so I had less time to test. 
Uh, he just stole the only fun thing that I was doing. And so this is only a five-day employment <laughs> with this company. <laughs> so I told my mom, I was like, Mom, I, I can't handle it. This is an assembly line job, and I just don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And even though I didn't know what I wanted to do, I knew that wasn't it. Sometimes that's as important as knowing what you want to do, knowing what you don't want to do. That at least narrows the field a little bit. That's right. So I quit. My dad's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know, Dad. <laughs> so, I, so I went hunting for the weekend. And on a Sunday afternoon, a buddy of mine called from tech school. He's like, Rick, I'm, I was came home. I'm living in Minneapolis. You want to come to Minneapolis with me? I was like, sure. <laughs> so we took off Monday morning, heading to Minneapolis. <laughs> My dad must have just thought it was crazy. Yeah. Living free, you know. So Minneapolis was fun. It was. It was. Into, I was just this naive kid from small town North Dakota, and that's a, it's a big city, you know, comparable. It is. I, I remember I parked my car. I followed Lloyd all the way down to the house we were staying at, and I parked my car. I didn't drive it for a week. Finally, I drove it around the block and parked, and that was my success. <laughs> and finally, I got a little farther and a little farther, and, but I finally found a, a house down there in a poor neighborhood a lot of great people, you know, and all this was overcoming year by year, you know, my childhood of with my tooth that wasn't quite right and poor study habits and maybe not being the most popular kid in the school and the youngest. I just was always trying to overcome all this stuff in my life, right? Sure. And that year in Minneapolis with the fixed tooth, with, with everything just rocking and rolling finally, it just was so fun. Worked for a painter, did some electronics and a pizza place, grocery store. Just it was met some great people, but I wasn't getting anywhere. Were you actively looking for work as an electrician or electrical person of some kind? <laughs> yeah, electronics technician. I had a job, but it was fixing like consumer electronics, like a Walkman. I would, every time I'd try to fix a Walkman, I'd always have a couple screws on my desk, you know, that, that were left over. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been there. So finally, one day, I wasn't getting anywhere, trying to figure out what to do. I'd look through the paper, Minneapolis paper, Tribune, I think, and they showed a list of all the deaths, killings around Minneapolis. And I looked in my neighborhood, and there was like 12, 18 deaths within a mile radius of my house. And I'm like, you know, this is probably not a good spot for me to be anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we can see with all the, the social unrest, you know, this year, it, there's, it's, it's a, you know, can be a tough place to live. Sure, sure. Do you know that in that area, was it hard hit by the, the things that were going on this year? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was more downtown. Is Could be. I don't know. Just curious if you had any contacts back there, anyone no. affected by it, but. So you're working as an electronics technician or looking to for work as an electronics technician, and you're seeing some things happening negatively in that neighborhood where you're in. What's on your mind at this point? You know, I have to get out, right? So before this, before I just got to tell you this one story about while I was in Minneapolis. This is naive North Dakota boy, right? So I'm working at this, this pizza place and get off work at midnight, come walk home to this tough part of town. Anyhow, this gal walks up next to me, starts talking. And I was like, oh, yeah, I work down here. And I was like, where do you work? Oh, she's just right up here. I was like, and this went on and on, right, all the way for blocks, right, we're talking. And and finally, she had the, you know, I'm like, well, where do you work? 
you know, and, and she's like, well, right up here on the corner. And I'm like, well, I don't get it. What do you, what do you, I don't, where do you, what are you doing? And she's <laughs> like, Rick, I'm a prostitute. <laughs> I was so naive. I, I'm surprised I survived Minneapolis, but <laughs> you know, those kinds of things happen to us all where we, we just, are clueless about something and you're talking to people. I have too many stories to share about that as well. Uh, yeah, I know right where you're coming from. There's times when you're just not aware of what's going on. Well, that's funny. You uh, politely said goodbye and, and left the scene fairly quickly. Huh? Yeah, these are real people, you know, with real problems and needs. So I was, you know, just very upfront with her and went my own way. <laughs> right. But right. Uh, yeah, I would say hi to her, right? And, you know, I'm not going to shun her or anything. And, but these are great people, you know, they're just in a tough spot. And, and that, I think that's what really helped me grow too, is seeing these, that my life wasn't quite maybe as bad as I thought. Right. I had to get out of there. So I went, I thought, you know, it wasn't so bad back in Wapton. I had a night manager job at a grocery store making $4 an hour. <laughs> back when $4 an hour was a reasonable sum to make. <laughs> So I went, went back to Wapton and just got another, signed up for another electronics degree because I didn't know what else to do. Seriously. Just keep plugging away at something, trying to hope for something. So your and first degree, your first degree you had is an associate's type degree. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Okay. So now you're looking at maybe uh, expanding your, your knowledge base a little bit and going back to school for a more advanced degree or a, a formal degree in engineering. No, no, not yet. This is just another associate's degree. Just take another third year. Again, I'm just grasping at straws, trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, I had a good job. I really liked the people. You know, all through my life I've worked with great people. You probably have to, right? I just So I, I got straight A's, but my grades still were so bad from before that I just couldn't quite pull them up fast enough, right? That changed. That last that year in Minneapolis, really, you know, I got some backbone. I stood up to this one guy that could have drove me into the ground and, you know, had a girlfriend. And, you know, it's just, it was, life was starting to finally click. So I got to the end of the year. All these other people were getting jobs. And finally, Rockwell Collins came in, my finally big break. They came in and did a comprehensive test where just cover electronics, like for three, four hours. And I got the third highest in the school. Nice. So finally, you know, it wasn't depending on my grades or, you know, they just gave me a fair shake and they offered me a job. So I took it and off I went to the big corporate America, uh, Rockwell Collins down to Iowa City, Iowa, working on military GPS units. Nice. Totally fun. Totally. First time in my life I've had time and money and so I started running and frisbee golf and golf and just again great people you just run into in all these different situations and right. uh, yeah I realized I comparably you know you don't understand who you are until you kind of compare yourself against other people as a reference right. Right. and I realized that I was pretty good at electronics at troubleshooting I tried to explain how I could do it and. These other people just couldn't quite get there as fast as I could. So I was like, you know, maybe I, maybe I am smart. Well, let me ask you this, Rick. Did you explain to them that electrons move in a loop? <laughs> I, maybe, maybe that's what they were missing. <laughs> I, I, share the wealth here, Rick. 
<laughs> my years at uh, Rockwell College, I spent five years down there. Just a lot of interesting things happened there. Is just on a side note here is, you know, life is built up of different things, right? And I had a coworker that was a Christian and he just kept hammering me on the Bible. You know, I'd say I'm a Christian, I'm, you know, baptized, confirmed, all that stuff. Got got the check boxes. I'm good. And just on and on and on for months, years, I don't know what it was, you know. And, and finally, one day I, I remember saying, you know, to Dave, I was like, Dave, I was like, that old Bible needs to be rewritten and updated. It was like I had this glass shell of Christianity, and God just took a, a little hammer and smashed it. I went home that night, and I'm like, I am not a Christian. I am not a Christian. You know, and that was really a, one of those pivotal moments again in, in your life that you got to come to terms with. I, I, I tried finding a local church, and it just I didn't want religion. I just wanted something deeper and real. And so anyhow, that was kind of in the background churning. And, you know, I was engaged, lived with a gal there in Iowa. And it just didn't, nothing was really working. It was working, but not working. Right. So finally, I, a buddy of mine, I heard he went back to, to school up at uh, NDSU. He went the tech route and he's back getting his double E. So I was like, there's a path. So I saw the light. <laughs> nice. So now you're you're thinking about going back to get your actual engineering degree. Yeah. So w- while I was at, working for Rockwell, I also took – I did sign up for electrical engineering for, through the University of Iowa. And I started taking classes and part-time, and it's really a slow process. Right. And so after a year of studying and working and no life, I quit. I was like, I just can't do this for 10 years. This is just not the, the right way to do it. Right. And I told myself, I'm just going to be happy being a technician. Well, that didn't last very long. <laughs> I, nothing wrong with being a technician, but just I just wanted more. I get you. I quit. <laughs> and that was funny. The uh, my I already was a, uh, accepted into NDSU and ready to go back. And I wanted to go back to somewhere that I just felt more at home instead of a number at the University of Iowa. And so I was tardy at, into work my last week or so at work at Rockwell Collins. My manager, like the two weeks notice, the day I was going to give my notice anyhow, he pulls me aside. He's like, Rick, we can't have you being late like this anymore. We got it. You got to start coming in on time. And I said, you know, <laughs> I was like, you know, Bob, I was like, you know, if that's the case, I'm going to have to give my two weeks notice. Well, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) (laughs) You had no idea that was coming anyway. (laughs) So then I explained to him I'm going to leave anyhow. Let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Here at Stahl Realty, you are number one. I'm a realtor with HomeSmart, and my job is to make sure you are satisfied. Here is what one satisfied client of Stahl Realty had to say. Rick Stahl was an awesome asset in helping our family find a home that checks all our boxes. He is patient and committed. I would recommend calling upon his services. One of my favorite mottos is making milestones memorable. Buying or selling a house can be overwhelming, but with my guidance and expertise, I can make this process as smooth as possible. I can be reached via email at stahlrealty at gmail.com or text call me at 720-429-3303. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, back to our show. 
So, yeah, so I packed my bags and went back to Fargo, North Dakota. Great. So this is where you're starting now, your engineering degree. You've kind of started to see, kind of see the light in terms of what you want to do professionally. You've had some experiences and, and that that have led you to that point. You've got a, a new spiritual path I want to get to here as well. But tell me a little bit more about your epiphany that you had when you realized, I really need to become an engineer. Yeah, I think it was, you know, like this buddy of mine, he, I heard he went back. He was doing it. And one of my coworkers down at Rockwell Collins, he went back. So I knew two people doing it. I was like, I got to jump on the bandwagon. Well, that's good. And did your, your previous couple of associates degrees, did they help you to get additional credits or anything like that? Or did you still have to do the four year thing? Yeah, I did it in like three and a half, but it was a really light three and a half. So now you're up in, in North Dakota again and you're studying engineering. So where's life taking you at this point? I was that first year back. So that my fine, so this is just my long story of trying to become an engineer and overcoming all these obstacles. I was making it. I studied so hard and, and these other kids are just having fun and daddy's paying for everything. And, you know, I'm there to study and, you know, met great people, but I was there to work and I made it. My first year I made it. I was like, I'm going to be an engineer. Cool. You know, and it was back to that kind of the not being a Christian that there's there's just something missing. And that second year, I studied the Bible and I tried to figure out what I had to do to become a Christian. And I everything in the Bible, I wrote it all down. And most of it is just, I believe, you got to believe, believe, believe. And finally, I hit a verse that I could hang on was, I think, like Revelations 3.10, if I had to guess the verse now. But behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who comes... And opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him. Just open the door of your heart, right? And I knew what I had to do. I wasn't ready. And finished the second year engineering school on my way. Got a summer job in Idaho at a nuclear power plant. Went out there. Roommate's a Christian. <laughs> you know, God put all these Christians in my life all around me. My boss out in Idaho is a Christian. And it's like, okay, I got to. These people are very happy. They seem at peace. I got to figure out, you know, if this is real. So one night out in Idaho, I stopped by this Presbyterian church, you know, knocked on the door of this pastor's uh, little parsonage office, asked him if I could go into his church. He's like, sure, just lock up when you're done. And I went in there and, you know, just some hearts, you know, soul searching, uh, crying, praying, and gave my heart to the Lord. That just kind of... You know, nothing changed overall, but it gave me a sense of peace. I I just had peace I was looking for. So what do you think is the biggest difference between this newfound faith and this newfound belief that you have versus sort of this shell of a faith that you had before? What, what were the primary differences there? Well, I guess it's a relationship, right, with Jesus, right? It's uh, the Holy Spirit, God, all that stuff. It's instead of just going through the motion and going to church and having doing all the right things, right? Trying to work your way there. This is, you know, the it's already been done for you. Just accept the gift. Yeah, that's great. I love to hear stories about people who kind of open their eyes and their hearts to the Lord. Even even though people who feel that they've done that in the past, just to to know that there's more there and to be at peace and to be able to find that. I think that's great. So that, that's an awesome story. I love that part. And this is your, uh, what, sophomore year or between your sophomore and junior year, it sounds like? Correct, yep. So I went back to NDSU. Now now things are rolling, right? Now I got everything. I'm at peace pretty much with myself, and things are starting to 
getting everything on track for my my life finally. Yeah, so I finished my third year, went back to Idaho again, had a great time, summer job, just great people out there. And then on the way back from Idaho, stopped at Blake Dillon Overlook up in Silverthorne. And I was like, wow, now this is something I could I could enjoy. <laughs> right. So those things you see and you lock them in your brain and you, you don't, you know, they're there, right? And it's like, I want to make this happen somehow, having a, a goal. Yeah. And so I went back to NDSU, finished my last year, had one job offer up in Idaho, but it was like a 24-hour support and I didn't want that. And moved out to Boulder, Colorado with my car and some clothes and uh, rented a room out of some guy's trailer up in Boulder. Luxury. <laughs> yeah, just doing what you have, you know, what you can do, right? And so I got a job as a tech, uh, just to pay the bills and then got on the ball aerospace up in Boulder. Nice. Now you've been with ball for how long now? I worked for ball for about 10 years. And I thought I was going to retire with them. You know, I got out to Colorado, the, you know, this giant playground of a state, right? You know, some of our friends, Ben, I met him and this other buddy of mine, Steve, we would go mountain biking and, you know, camping and skiing and snowboarding and you name it, right? I mean, every weekend was full of adventure and fun. And one year I went down to Huntsville, Alabama. My boss didn't want to go. And so I went down there, had a great time down in Huntsville. Uh, paid off all my student loans with the TDY, uh, travel pay. Yeah, so Ball treated me pretty good. There was, you know, some issues there. It's like, I, I think problems I had that I had to overcome was a f- uh, fear of failing. So I was, I was afraid to fail, afraid to, you know, so I, I just needed to triple check, quadruple check things. And I, and I just was afraid to take risks. So I, I was noticing that people were getting advancing ahead of me who didn't know as much as I did. And I'd find them saying something, and I'm like, well, that's not right. You know, and I was afraid to step out and start taking on some of that responsibility. So anyhow, so that was one problem up at Ball. And then the other problem, I think, was maybe I didn't know all about politics very well. <laughs> and I got caught in a political trap up there. My One of my bosses, you know, I wasn't impressed with his design. And, and maybe I – it probably was a good design. I should have I, – I guess I have a little bit of a pride streak that God's been working on. And yeah, so I didn't quite play the game, put on the short list, and eventually train my replacement without knowing it. And they had a reduction in force, and I was on that list. Yeah. One thing I just wanted to tell you about was that after they already kind of told me I was on the short list and on, you know, my last two weeks or whatever, I walked around our building up there one day. Me and one other guy were the only two people in that whole building with an undergrad degree. Everybody else had a master's or PhD. Interesting. So do you think that played a part in that as well, or was it? I have to chalk it up as part of the problem. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know much about engineering, but what what advantage is there, or what what additional information is there in a master's degree or a, a PhD? What kind of additional information, or is it more just kind of hands-on additional work? Right. Somebody looking at it from the outside, you wouldn't think there's any difference, right? I can learn these skills pretty quickly too, right? Sure. But they can charge the government more for somebody with an advanced degree than somebody with a lower degree. So I think it's financial. Sure. So, but there's not really educationally. I mean, there's calculus is calculus, and, and electrons move in a loop, no matter 
you know, what level of education did you get? I mean, you know, go to become a PhD and learn how to, you know, make them move in a, you know, opposite directions or something like that, right? I mean, it's all the same stuff. So. But there is some, you know, as you head up into the higher level of technical degrees, as you learn more and more skills that you could apply and solve harder problems, you are worth more to the company. Sure. Well, and that's kind of the way it is in, in just about any field, really. You get some additional hands-on work, maybe some additional lab work and, and that kind of thing that, that gives you maybe an edge. So that's interesting. You're now looking down the last two weeks of your time at Ball. What are you, uh, what are you thinking about doing at this point? You know, I had another one of these uh, moments. Maybe it was, wasn't quite my last two weeks. Maybe it was a year before or so. But I had this guy I worked with. He would, he worked on, you know, star trackers and, you know, calculating quaternions and, and star charts. And we're doing pretty in-depth stuff, right? And, you know, he's working on low-noise amplifiers. And he drives in one Saturday in this old truck. It was a workman's truck with ladders on it. You know, I was like, John, I was like, what, what, what is going on? <laughs> You're supposed to be this, you know, high caliber engineer here. And he's like, well, I am, but I also have some rentals on the side and that's my truck to go work on rentals. And today's my day to make the rounds. I was like, interesting. You know, and that one of those things you kind of walk away. It's like, wow, I never would have put that, those two together. Well, this is your first glimpse of someone doing some kind of investment-related activity outside of, of their work. I think so. Maybe maybe it was there, but I just didn't see it. Maybe people's eyes aren't open until, you know, they see it, and then all of a sudden they see it everywhere. So I'm staring down the barrel of unemployment here. Luckily, everybody knew that I was caught in this kind of poor situation, and they made some calls. And anyhow, I was only unemployed for about seven weeks. And then I got hired at the place I'm currently working, a big electronic electrical engineering conglomerate. Yeah. So, so I remember when I interviewed for the boss there, I told him, I was like, you know, I want to do new design, flight hardware. I don't want any more of the sustaining engineering stuff that I seem to get the scraps over at Ball. He's like, well, tell me when you had enough. <laughs> So you're doing something a little different then. Tell me a little more about what the difference is between what you were going to be doing versus what you were doing. Yeah, it seemed like at Ball I was always doing uh, supporting engineering. So it was somebody else would design it, and I'd come along and support the design. So I got this fresh start now. It was great. It was like I was working hard again, doing new design, great team, great projects. I just wanted to mention one of the other key pivotal moments in my life happened with this new employment. As I mentioned earlier, I was afraid to fail. That was holding me back in my life, in all my decisions. So on this new program, working hard, trying to keep up, my boss realized that I was not keeping up. I was triple checking things, just taking way too much time if I was going to be a successful engineer. He told me, Rick, you've triple checked it. It's good enough. Let it go. And if it fails, if you miss something, we'll address it and fix it then. That was the first time in my life I've got permission to fail and to try and fail. And that was a key pivotal moment that really helped me as a person and at work and real estate and everything is is you need permission to fail. I really appreciated that. And that was a huge, huge turning point in my growth. And then, so I survived my first year. We got married. We have kids. Crazy time in life. 
And I realized I don't want to get caught in the reduction in force again without having a master's degree. And I found out they have a deal with the University of Denver where they will send either a professor down to the campus and all you do is have to go walk across the hall and go take a class or dial into a video conference and they pay for it all. Great. So my current lawyer paid for my master's degree. Wow. And at DU, not just, uh, you know, some inexpensive college, do use an expensive pricey place. Yeah. Education. That's excellent. Yeah. Awesome. So now you have a master's degree in engineering. Is there any kind of emphasis to that or is it just a general type of study? It's just a systems engineering degree. But again, it checks the box and it lets the employer charge more to the government for my higher degree. Sure. And I learned some stuff too. I guess. Now you're married, and I can attest that the Lord is a, a per, that the Lord loves you and, and wanted to bless you. I know your family, so that's good. And your kids are now teenagers, so that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're an electrical engineer, family man, man of God. What kinds of things do you do you do for fun, Rick? As you know, raising a family is a full time job. I used to think getting through engineering school is hard, which it is. But raising a family is tough. It's a marathon. It's day in and day out for decades. Yes. Mountain biking and skiing in, in, you know, my 30s. So I've been kind of hunkered down just doing work, family. I guess we go hiking some, camping some, trying to explore hunting, go elk hunting, try to every year, try to get out and see this playground of a state we have. Did not know you were a hunter. Yeah. You should just hunt for elk, or do you have other other game you look for? Just mostly elk and deer. Yeah, I tried archery hunting one or two years, and I realized I'm not a patient man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I think that would be very difficult because you have to get relatively close to an animal before you can shoot it with an arrow, and they have good ears and good noses and all kinds of things. So I would think that would be difficult one little step. And that, that deer pops its head up and takes off, and that's that. I was so close to an elk, a big bull elk. I've never seen somebody horned on his head before, but my heart was beating out of my chest. I mean, seriously. I mean, talking about an adrenaline rush. I thought it was somebody just with a, a call. And it was, so I was like, oh, I just sat down next to this call, just see if you'd call anybody in. And I was like, wow, that's a really good call. You know, just every nuance, just perfect. And <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's, this thing is moving towards me, and I'm like, and I wasn't ready. I'm like, out of position, and and you know, he came all. If he would have stepped another couple of feet, I would have for sure got him. Uh, but he turned around and left, and and I chased him up the hill a little bit and took one shot, but I was too far away. I just didn't have the range down. It's just really tough. But it would have been, a, I'm sure, it would have been a record. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, so you're hunter, outdoorsman. You do. A, other things like bicycling and skiing in that still? Or? Oh, a little bit, but not very much with the kids. And, you know, skiing is so darn expensive in Colorado. Yeah, we travel, you know, try to go some family time, uh, trips back to the Midwest where we're from. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. Um, there's so many things to do here in, in Colorado as a hiker or whatever. love to go in the mountains in the summertime and go to the tops of the ski lifts and just sit up there and, Look at all of the, the beautiful views and that. One time, Janelle and I and my wife were up in the, the mountains, and we went up to the top of one of the hills, and there were bald eagles flying around. <laughs> Where are we? Yeah, <laughs> right. So, 
<laughs> that's a lot of fun. What other kinds of things do uh, you like to, to read? I mean, we, we've been talking to some of our other interviewers, interviewees rather, about some books and things like that that they like to read. Tell me what you kind of like to do in your spare time in that regard. That's a good question. I, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, that's, that's kind of the eye-opener. You know, the richest man in Babylon, that's a good, that story about investing. I have been reading a whole lot. The engineering school just really takes it out of you for studying. And I did, it took me a lot of years to even pick up a book. <clears throat> but I would say those two and listen to Bigger Pockets podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I love Bigger Pockets. A great podcast. What is it about them that you, you really enjoy? Uh, they just have a lot of stories about investors, and, and uh, sometimes you forget about all this little trick over here and, and going over here and uh, just kind of just refreshing to hear how people have made it. Right. And I think it's, it's inspiring to hear other people's success stories, especially when you know, they have stories like you have where you – we're young and not great study habits and broken teeth. And I mean, all of these things that, that cause a person to feel like they're going to be unable to maybe do something with their life, but to find out that they overcame all of that stuff. I think it's inspirational to all of us. That's, that's an interesting thing for us to hear from you and from anybody else. One of the things when I say I'm an electrical engineer, there's so much pain that went into getting that degree. It was a hard fought battle. And I got to tell you, one, one thing I forgot to mention is, when I finished my undergrad, I was in my last class, and I finished early. I sat there. I, you know, I was all done. I could just hand in the test and leave and would be finished. But I sat there for an hour and just absorbed being done. That is, you know, you you're a, you went through college, and it, it's a race. Once the first class starts at the semester quarter, you are on. And I did this for four years, right? And I know it was such a nice feeling, you know, like the, you remember that movie Shawshank Redemption, you know, when he breaks out and that, that was me, man. That, that was a hard fought battle. Yeah. Well, it manifests that way differently. And I've heard of people who do things, things like that. And then there are other people like me. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I was done with school. I was not an academic, but I, spent like three years trying to get over the idea that I didn't have homework to do, right? <laughs> homework right now. Why am I not doing homework? <laughs> you know? So that's, yeah, it's it just a great thing. It's a great accomplishment. And, you know, and you had a lot of pain going into that. And so the perseverance and, and that willingness to stick to it is great. Yeah, maybe who I am. Yeah. You know, not to be, I don't want to take it lightly. And, you know, all these successes, again, I say it over and over is they build on each other. If you build and get success in one area, you can transfer it over, you know, your self confidence. You get that going, it transfers over and how you deal with people. And, uh, absolutely. In engineering, you get good at spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it'll come in good for real estate. Right. Thank you for listening to the Secret Sauce for Success show where we find the secret ingredients for success. We all want to be successful in life, so let's break down the steps it takes to get there and learn from other people's journeys. We hope that through the stories you hear on our show, you will find success in your life.